Hey everyone, welcome back to the IAUG Insider Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Malinowski, and I'm excited to have had the opportunity to speak once again with David Chavez. He is the CTO and Vice President of Architecture and Innovation at Avaya. He has a wealth of knowledge about IAUG and Avaya working together, and I'm excited for him to chat with us about some AI and cloud information. I do want to apologize ahead of time. We did run into some technical difficulties through the beginning of this recording. Uh, We're going to work really hard to ensure that this does not happen again, but I did feel like the conversation was just too important to omit. So I hope you enjoy it, and thanks for listening. Welcome back to the IAUG podcast. Thank you. You're very welcome. So as you know, um, we are using this podcast season to kind of explore further a little bit the um, shift in IT and the way IT is changing and the new world of telecom and IT as a as a pair. And so we're kind of going to dive into that a little bit today here. Um, we're going to start off with an easy one. So how long have you worked with Avaya? I think I can get that one right. Um, <laughs> I've been with Avaya uh, 30 years, if you count AT&T Bell Labs and Lucent Bell Labs. Wow, that's awesome. So did you go to school for IT? Um, I studied math and computer science uh, and believe it or not, English. So um, not sure that prepared me for an IT role. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like I hear that a lot with a lot of different people that they kind of fell into IT throughout their their years in the professional world. Um, so what kind of jobs did you have before you started working for Avaya? I actually hired out of college. Um, so, I mean, probably the closest analog was I was a programmer for um, Eastman Kodak. Oh, wow. Uh, as a summer intern. Um and uh, for graduate school, I taught uh, calculus. Um, and as an undergraduate, I was a computer lab proctor. Wow, so you've had jobs all over the spectrum. A bit. How has your job changed? Where did you start? How did you end up where you are? What kind of steps happened along the way? So, I mean, at Avaya, um, I started out as a software developer, uh, moved into the role of software architect, uh, eventually became a development manager, and then moved into various uh, CTO and uh, technical sales roles. Um, you know, I wouldn't say that any of that was planned. Yeah, I don't think there's any any path that was selected. Just yeah, I think you phrased it as falling into it. Uh, those are roles I just kind of fell into. Okay, so you've had quite a bit of experience, kind of along the spectrum of IT and telecom. I would I would agree with that. So, how do you feel about kind of the absorption of telecom into the IT world? I know. Some time ago, it was telecom was its own defined position, and people who were working in telecom were focused on telecom. But now it's kind of people who are hired in IT also are in charge of the telecom side of things. So what do you think about that change? Do you think that's something a lot of people who've been in the industry longer have a hard time adjusting to? 
Is it something you kind of struggled with adjusting to or were you kind of primarily always the IT side that worked a little on telecom? Yeah, I, um, you know, uh, when you're doing the development of the solution, uh, I don't think you can ever just be like a pure telecom person because you have to uh, take in mind, you know, how the solution is used, managed, um, how it gets triaged, uh, even, you know, how you, uh, you position it for sale. So, um, you know, I'd say that there was always a, uh, a telecom IT blending on our end because that's kind of what you have to do uh, when you're the vendor. Um, you know, in terms of... Uh, people overall, I'd say that um, because there was a blending of telephony in with uh, internet protocol and, you know, the introduction of VoIP into the solution, um, there was a narrative out there that said, well, voice is just another application on your network and, you know, which makes it an IT solution. Um, but it is different. I mean, it has uh, real-time characteristics. You know, it has it. It's um, a critical application where people are very uncomfortable if it's down for even a small amount of time. Um, expectations around uh, availability and uptime and and quality of voice uh, are always sky high, and I think. Um, those things are run counter to the narrative of, um, you know, voice just being an application on the network. And uh, I, I think just that um, expectation trap uh, is probably one of the hardest things about uh, the blending of telephony and IT. So what ways, I know you've had plenty of different positions since you started with Avaya, but what ways have sort of your responsibilities changed and shifted with this kind of expectation of IT increasing? I know that you're kind of an expert on the AI side of things. So how has that introduction affected your work day to day? How have those big changes from servers to cloud to AI really impacted your work out of IA? This is probably going to be a really long answer to your question. I, I hope that's, that's okay. okay. Um, so uh, if you don't mind, let's take it um, sure. slowly. Uh, and um, let's start with cloud as an example. Um, a key thing here is that the the narrative on cloud is really about, um, you know, operational cost reduction for adopters. Um, and that's exactly what the technology is designed for. Uh, however, you can't actually uh, step back and ignore everything that's on the cloud end. You know, a, a case in point, we're recording this uh, podcast and uh, all the software is in the cloud. But if there's a glitch, you know, it's, uh, you know, it might be your network or it might be something in the cloud. When you're talking about telephony, um, you know, people that move from premise-based systems to cloud-based systems are used to the telephony system being totally under their control and 
uh, having something that hopefully is around five nines of availability. Uh, you move to the cloud, um, your availability degrades a bit because you have the network to the cloud. Um, but it also degrades because you're no longer controlled of that cloud instance. And, um, you know, if someone decides to upgrade your cloud software and it happens to be a critical time for your business, it really doesn't matter because it's not under your control. Um, you know, if you suffer an outage, what will end up happening is they'll come back and say, well, if we take a look at the period of time uh, since you started, we meet our SLAs, which are probably defined around four nines. Um, and all of that can be true, but it may not feel good in terms of, uh, you know, be uh, adopting in that way. Um, furthermore, when you're doing cloud, what you may not know is there's other underlying cloud elements that are there. And um, so your service might be operating perfectly, but it's relying on another service elsewhere in the cloud that's not. Uh, and so when, you know, when a problem happens, it can impact your service. Um, you're upset. You go back to the company and say, there's nothing I can do. I'm, I'm using this other cloud service and it wasn't available. So you can often find yourself uh, in an area where people are pointing fingers uh, all the way around. Um, and you know, that, that may not be healthy if all what you really care about is the outcome. So you know, cloud adoption comes with you know, a lot of things to think about uh, as you're doing it. And as an IT person, uh, it means you have to ask a lot of questions so they have an idea of exactly what you're getting yourself into. AI is probably a bit more intimidating. Um, so if we're talking real AI and not just marketed AI, uh, real AI uh, takes two predominant forms. Um, they're both model-based, uh, but one implements a machine learning model. The other one is implementing a deep learning model. Um, a machine learning model um, acts on a data set. That data set uh, provides training uh, for the model to do what uh, the adopter wants it to do. Uh, deep learning is more sophisticated because it's adaptive um, as it goes along. The um, but the thing here is, first, you have to get comfortable with data. Uh, and not all people that are looking at a problem want to deal with the data associated with the problem. Um, further, uh, once you decide you're comfortable with the data uh, and you want to do AI, then you have to get comfortable with the idea that your data might be biased. Uh, that um, how the data was collected, what it was collected for, um, how it was stored, sample size. I mean, there are a lot of different things that can uh, introduce unintended biases within the data you have. And so when you build a model around it, you end up building a biased model and, um, and that can be bad for the outcome that you're, you're looking to do. So when you head down the AI road, you have to be, uh, first of all, comfortable uh, with the total 
style of technology, machine learning or deep learning uh, technology. You have to be comfortable with the fact that you need data sets uh, for it to operate on. You have to be comfortable with the fact that there's some biases there that you're going to want to take out uh, in time. And then, uh, you know, when it comes to supporting it, you're likely to find that not a lot of people on your existing teams uh, really understand AI and what it does and how it works and, you know, the principles involved. Uh, and so it can be nerve wracking from that perspective, but could it also turn out to be somewhat expensive to go and acquire uh, the expertise that's needed here. Um, you know, which, which gets you to a lessons learned, which is if you're in the IT world today, uh, you have to spend a lot of time keeping up with technology. Uh, and you have to allocate time and budget, uh, time to go and uh, consume the information budget in terms of uh, taking courses, going to conferences, um, having the time to have deep conversations with people who have uh, even deeper experience in the area uh, than you do, uh, where they're uh, implementing some of these uh, AI technical um, um, solutions in, in their businesses and, and see if you can learn by proxy. Uh, I think that's one of the biggest challenges in the IT world today is, is coping with that. How would you see, I know, a lot of changes happened, I'm sure, since you started working in the IT industry and working with Avaya. How do you kind of see that world continuing to evolve? We've made some pretty big steps in technology, but I'm sure there's never going to be an end to it. So what kind of next steps do you see for the industry and for for really everything IT and tech? So, I mean, um, you know, I was here for the transition to ISDN and then the transition to IP. Uh, and one of the things to note when you when an industry undergoes a, a fundamental transformation uh, is it does so in a very predictable fashion. Uh, there's a concept called the S-curve of adoption. And you know it, it basically, um, the S-curve says you're gonna see exponential adoption uh, to an inflection point, an inflection point being you know about halfway for the technology being adopted, and then you see an exponential gr um, growth, but it's um, it's asymptotic to a hundred percent adoption, and um, and so you know people continue to adopt it, but the growth rate slows down because everybody has basically adopted it. Um, those S curves used to take, you know, on the order of uh, ten years, ten to twenty years, depending on on the technology. Uh, what's happened recently is when you take a look at cloud adoption or uh, mobility or you know AI here on the horizon, these uh, technical transformations are happening faster than that. So that S curve is compressed. And uh, sometimes they overlap. You know, the uh, cloud adoption is not fully adopted everywhere. Yet AI is coming to bear. 
Um, and, you know, so that S curve is going to overlap it. Uh, you could say the same thing about um, voice-based technologies in terms of direct voice, uh, voice commands, um, you know, being able to uh, transcribe or even translate uh, real-time voice. You know, all of those technologies coming to bear at the same time, it's a, it's a lot of change for uh, any company to navigate and makes it particularly challenging for the, for the IT person. Yeah, I'm sure there's been so many changes just in the world of IT in general. I, I can't imagine it's easy to keep up. Um, so kind of circling back to Avaya, how have you seen the products change since you've been there? I know we've talked a lot about cloud and AI, and I know those have been big changes for you, but just sort of as a general whole outside of those two elements, what else have you seen come from, you know, the big change in IT's industry? Yeah, I mean, uh, as I was alluding to, you know, going from uh, digital to ISDN, going from ISDN to IP, um, you know, IP to SIP, and now you have, you know, cloud mobility and AI all coming at once. Um, I think the thing that most people don't understand about Avaya or any of the other vendors um, is that in order to um, meaningfully help with that transformation, we have to be ahead of that curve. We have to be there before the S curve really begins. Um, and so uh, there's a lot of uh, work that goes into the upfront preparation for a market, the engineering of the solution uh, for something new, the uh, the ability to educate uh, sales teams to be able to position it uh, to the end customers, uh, and then for you know for those very first adopters, it's making sure you've allocated technical people to you know really handhold them uh, through that adoption period. Um, yeah, that's kind of the, the thing that, you know, no one really sees because only a few customers go through that, uh, trailblazing stage. Uh, but that's what it takes to, uh, be a vendor and, and meaningfully participate in that transformation. Right. So as somebody who's pretty well-versed in the IT industry and been in it for a long time, what's something that you might say to somebody who's coming into the world of IT in general, who might not be sure of telecom, how to use it, what it is, and how it could fit into their daily role. What's some advice you might give or something you might say to somebody coming into that position? So uh, I think general advice for anybody coming into IT is number one, be comfortable with change because you're going to see it. Um, the second thing is um, always think about the science. Always think about uh, what it takes for the solution uh, to actually work. And if you if you can't figure that out on your own, you know, from the documentation, it's worth actually going to investigate uh, whether you know it's taking a course or talking to experts or um, you know digging through an implementation by. Uh, starting something and, you know, taking it a step at a time, uh, really understanding uh, the solution. There's no, um, 
you know, it, you can't really shortcut it if you want to be able to deal with the types of problems you're going to see later. Uh, so uh, deep understanding is always going to be um, that IT person's friend. So it's, you know, it's worth the time to do that. And, you know, if you're not an IT leader, it means that uh, it's worth your time to get with your IT leader and try to make sure you have um, time and resources allocated so that you can uh, keep up with the changes. Kind of in that same vein, how do you, as a more senior IT professional, what are your goals for continuing education, whether it be for yourself or for your team? Do you guys spend a lot of time going to conferences? Are you doing a lot of reading? What kind of ways are you keeping up with that day to day? Yeah, for me, um, it's a lot of reading uh, and some conferences. Um, it helps that you, when you have a network of people that you can talk to. Um, and I highly suggest uh, people who haven't established a network, you know, try and build one. Um, I, I think all of those are important. I think it's also important to develop an expectation of how long this is going to take. Um, if you were to do something on an annual basis, I think 80 hours is a minimum for, you know, trying to keep up on technology. Mm -hmm. uh, some of my counterparts I was talking to recently uh, think that um, IT people should actually be targeting something on the order of um, 140 hours annually. Um, wow. You know, that's a significant fraction of a month. Um, but the uh, technology is moving that quickly that it's probably worth the return to invest that amount of time. Do you ever have a hard time keeping up with all the new stuff coming out all the time? Um, I feel overwhelmed sometimes. <laughs> I will admit that. Um, I can't afford to get far behind, though. Uh, so, you know, when the change is coming, uh, even if it cuts into my personal time, uh, I have to take the time out to go and really understand it. Um, because if you try to uh, talk to something, but you don't really understand it, it's not authentic. You don't feel good about yourself. And then, uh, you know, eventually problems will come afterwards. Right. So I guess circling back a little bit to AI and cloud, what I know AI is pretty intimidating to a lot of people. What's some advice you might have about implementing AI, whether it be to a call center or anything like that? Just kind of some top lines, like this is why it's important. This is how I think you would use it best. Just sort of an overview. I know I'm not super well versed in AI, so I think it might be really interesting to kind of hear what you think about it. Uh, my first piece of advice would be to start small. Mm -hmm. um, starting small helps you because it gives you time to... Uh, get used to something that's very different technically. It also helps because you can define something that is going to be readily measurable and you can verify whether the adoption of that technology meets your expectation for the change in outcome. Um, likewise, I would advise not to um, say I'm going to adopt AI <laughs> And then, you know, figure out what the benefit is afterwards. Uh, if you don't have a fixed target, if you don't have a 
specific area that you want to um, uh, introduce the solution into, it's going to be very difficult to succeed. So just sort of that importance of making sure you have a measurable success, a metric, something that you want to hit. That way you can tell kind of how this AI is working best for you. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much, David. I just want to wrap up with one last question. Why, in your opinion, should an Avaya user become an IAUG member? Uh, well, I mean, that's another another easy question. You started off with the easy, how many years have I been around? And this is an easy one. You know, <laughs> IAUG, um, first of all, it gives a member access to a wealth of material. Okay. Um, stuff that would be uh, very difficult to find on your own. Uh, you might recall that earlier I was talking about the importance of a network. IAUG gives you a built-in network to people who have done what you are doing. You know, every everyone who's um, you know in this space and they're doing a job, there are other people just like them doing their job at other places. And if you have the opportunity to connect, um, you get to learn by proxy. You get to avoid other people's mistakes. You get to learn from the things that went well. And you get all of those resources uh, to boot. Um, it's, a, it's a phenomenal value for the, for the customer. All right. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate hearing that. <laughs> and I just want to thank you for joining us again. It's always great to have you on the IAUG podcast. I know you've been a guest before, and that was an awesome episode. So I really appreciate you taking the time to join us again. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us for the IAUG Insider Podcast. We'll be back next week with another episode, and I can't wait for you to hear it. And don't forget, Avaya Engage registration is now open, and we definitely hope to see you there. Also, we're running our IAUG technical webinar series, The New Landscape of IT, and it features some great information like cultivating a new culture of technology and women in tech, and it's going to be awesome. It is an IAUG member-only benefit, so make sure you sign up today and join us. The IAUG Insider Podcast is brought to you by the International Avaya User Group, the world's largest international organization for communications technology professionals. Each episode is written, organized, and hosted by me, Caitlin Malinowski, and produced and edited by Katie Norton.